This is Real Talk from Denver 7 and CPR News. The fight for equal pay has been going on for decades. It came to our attention that all nine of the full professor women were being paid less than the average male that was the same rank. But even with new laws signed in Colorado, equal pay for equal work still seems out of reach. Today, a real talk about pay inequity, exploring solutions to fix it and how the pandemic made the problem worse. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. Today we're having a real talk about pay inequity and how it impacts workers across Colorado. First, we want to start with some statistics. A study by Pew Research shows that gender pay gap hasn't actually changed much in the past 20 years. In 2002, women earned 80% what men earned. As of last year, that number has crept up to 82%. And going deeper, women make up the majority of public school teachers and principals in Colorado and across the country. According to the Institution of Education Sciences, from 2017 to 2018, 77 percent of public school teachers and 54 percent of principals were women. And a closer historical look shows a pay gap was intentional. Before the public school system we know today, the United States used what's called common schools in the late 1800s. Now, common school leaders argued America could afford to pay for the schools with public money. The reason? The National Center for Education Statistics explains schools could be staffed by women who were paid far less than men. We're, of course, seeing the effects of those decisions still today, and it can be even seen in higher education. One DU professor says her institution was not upholding its guiding principles, especially when it came to equal pay. K.K. Duvivier is a tenured professor at the University of Denver Sturm College of Law. Our principles are truth, justice, and American way. But Duvivier says her beloved institution was not upholding its own principles. It came to our attention that all nine of the full professor women were being paid less than the average male that was the same rank. DVVA says they went to the dean with the pay information. Certain males were definitely making like 100,000 more than certain women. And DU just said there's nothing wrong with this picture. So the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission actually brought the lawsuit on behalf of us against the University of Denver for equal pay. The situation at DU is just one example of women throughout the United States making less than men. Women make about 82, 83 cents on the dollar for every man. Metropolitan State University of Denver economics professor Christina Huber says there are a number of factors at play. So it's not all discrimination that's causing women to earn less than men. Women tend to be overrepresented in the lower paying jobs, right? Nurses, daycare workers, elementary school teachers, those types of things. And men are more represented in the higher paying jobs. So men get some sort of wage boost from being married and being fathers, and women get, you know, a wage penalty. I have a daughter, I have granddaughters. And VBA says they inspired her to fight her case. And I feel very privileged that um, I had nine colleagues that were in the same boat, so I wasn't in this alone. We did get some settlement money, I did get a raise, and so I feel like I have a duty to pay it, you know, forward to other people. Aiden, to be quite honest, this story made me a little angry. Yeah. I knew this was happening, but to have that real-life story right in front of me and then to see the statistics, it was eye-opening. 
As you heard, K.K. Duvivier fought for her right to equal pay. She joins us now to go deeper into this Real Talk. K.K., thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I want to go deeper. All right. You found out you were making significantly less than your male counterparts. At, at first, I bet you were really just angry. But with that said, um, there must have been some male colleagues who were supportive of what you were doing. We did have male colleagues who, you know, told the school they should fix this and were standing up for us, so I appreciate all of those. Yeah. So you didn't feel alone in, 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 the, in Not, the fight? Well, and again, we didn't feel alone because there were all nine of us, right. but also there were colleagues who, who were supportive, so yeah. that's right. Yeah. What did you learn about the gender pay gap during your own personal process going through this? That, you know, can happen to anyone. I know that, you know, People have interviewed me, you know, nationwide, and they were saying, if this can happen to women law professors, many of whom, which not my specialty, but many of them were women's rights and things like that, if these women are being discriminated against, then what about everyone else? Going into this before, did you feel that you were like, well, I must be paid equally to my male counterparts? It's interesting because I worked at the University of Colorado before the University of Denver, and in that position, I was in a lower position, so I expected it. But once I got on the tenure track at DU, I thought, I don't need to worry about this anymore because we're all on the same track. So, you know, I'll be able to assume that I'm, if I'm being promoted, I'm getting the same kind of pay. Yeah. KK, I mentioned this when we were just chatting, but you know, rage quitting is a thing these days. People get angry, they find out they're not being paid fairly, they quit, they go on, they may sue later. But what's courageous about this case is you stayed in your position and still decided to take this to court. What made you ultimately decide to take this case to court? Well, one thing is that, you know, women shouldn't have to leave a good job in order to get paid equally. So, you know, I love my job and I love what I'm doing. So why would I want to leave that even if it meant that it's a little bit tense because you're asking for what you have the right to ask for? Yeah. You're still at DU. Yes. Uh, how would you say DU is doing with closing the gender pay gap overall? So. First of all, I'm at the law school at DU and the settlement only related to the law school. So, sure. you know, the law school is making some good efforts. They are getting into the sticky problem of how do you define what the, the pay is going to be based on? Because so much of that is sort of an insider game right. and publicizing that. So I know that they're struggling with that, but they are trying to do something about that. Now, university-wide, I don't know how well they're doing because they don't have quite the same things, but they are addressing it university-wide as well. So yeah. they are trying. And CPR News itself, we just went through a massive process to work on these things. So it's it's something that I think corporations and companies know about, but it's that sticky thing you're saying, how do we actually put this into uh, you know practice? Right. Yeah. yeah. In the past, you've been pretty vocal, KK, about even having the privilege to be able to try to fight against this. Would you mind elaborating on that? I know we talked about being tenured and things like that. Right. So as I said, I, I mentioned, I think before, is that I, I'm very fortunate in that, you know, I, I said nine. There were a total of nine of us. So eight of my colleagues were in the same boat as I was. So I wasn't alone. And I really feel... Uh, badly for a woman that has to fight this alone because what they'll do is just try to tear you apart and when we have nine they did try to depose us and find deficiencies in each one but it's kind of difficult to say but every one of you is so de much more deficient than any single man that it was easier as a group to deal with it so I, I feel privileged and that's right I also have tenure so they couldn't fire me 
or any of us, because we're the most senior women at the law school, so they couldn't fire us. So I, as I said, I feel one of the reasons I'm talking to you today is because I have a duty to help other women who aren't as in a safe position as I've been in. I love that you're, you're basically paying it forward to That's put it in, kind of no pun intended. Um, are, are, there, are there tips that you can give to maybe that, that, that person out there who's saying, you know what, this is happening to me and I'm, I'm kind of alone? Well, first of all, they're probably not alone and someone like me could help them. But, you know, one thing is that DU in most places, they aren't public about the salaries. So one thing you can do is try to talk to other people and, and find out if there are other people in the same boat. So you might find other people at your employment that would be in the same situation and that will help your case, right? Because the more you have different people that are being discriminated against, then, then you have a practice. Strength in numbers. Absolutely, mm -hmm. there is power in sharing. Well, KK, I wanna thank you so much for joining us for this Real Talk. Your story really stuck with me um, from the first moment we talked, and I know our listeners and viewers will be struck by your story as You're well. You're so welcome. <laughs> thank you for doing this. That was DU professor KK DeVivier. We are just getting started with this Real Talk about pay inequities. While the gap still exists, Colorado is taking steps to make sure workers are paid fairly. But it begs the question, are they enough? We're getting answers from the Women's Foundation of Colorado and the work it's doing to help in the effort. This is Real Talk from Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. This week we're talking about pay inequity and how it affects people across Colorado. Indeed.com defines pay inequity as the unequal pay for work of equal value, which depends on your skill level, effort, responsibilities, as well as working conditions. Yeah, an example of that would be two educators who teach different subjects but make different amounts despite doing the same job. Colorado is one of several states that has taken steps to ensure workers are paid fairly. In 2021, the Equal Pay for Equal Work Act became law in Colorado, it requires several things of employers. They must demonstrate that people aren't being paid more or less on the basis of sex. They're also prohibited from asking potential applicants how much they made at their previous job and must give current employees the chance to move up in the company. Christina Huber is an economics professor at MSU Denver. She told us in the U.S. last year, women typically earned 80 to 83 cents compared to every dollar earned by a man. For black women, it's 62 cents per dollar and for Latinas, it's 60 cents. In June, a bill was signed into law that amended the 2021 Equal Pay for Equal Work Act we just mentioned. Now, it requires the Department of Labor and Employment to investigate claims of state pay equity law violations. The new amendment is set to take effect January 1st, but there's still much more to be done to close the gender pay gap. We're joined now by Louise Meyerland from the Women's Foundation of Colorado. Louise, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here to talk about the work the Women's Foundation of Colorado is doing to close the gender and racial pay gaps. Absolutely. Well, Luis, you have some information, some updated information on some of the policies here in Colorado. Do you mind sharing more on that? Happy to. Thanks so much. <laughs> so Colorado already has one of the best equal pay laws in the nation that requires employers to pay equally for folks who are doing essentially the same job, and it promotes transparency in many ways we made it even better with three key updates this year. 
They streamline and clarify the transparency requirements so workers really do know how to pursue opportunities to advance with their employer. And uh, it also provides the authority and resources for our Department of Labor and Employment to ensure that employers really are paying folks equally for equal work. And in cases where workers were unfairly underpaid, now Colorado's law has doubled the back pay period to up to six years. So someone who was unfairly underpaid that long can recoup the difference between what they were paid and what they should have been paid. Now, have you found more notable pay gaps in certain industries or is this just a problem that's just across the board no matter where you look? Women are paid less than men in more than 90% of all occupations. The gender and racial pay gap exists in every sector. And it remains even when controlling for factors that reasonably do explain a variation in pay, like education or relevant experience. So we know sexism and racism are at play and women of color experience much wider gaps. Yeah, you have a breadth of knowledge of what's happening here in Colorado. And just personally, how do you feel about what's being done to try to close the gap right here in our state? I am so excited and so proud of our state. I mean, a broad coalition of pay equity advocates work so hard together to ensure we really do have the best equal pay law in the nation and we're continuing to improve it. We're setting a national trend. Since Colorado passed its Equal Pay for Equal Work Act back in 2019, that's been the law of Colorado since 2021, we have increased the proportion of workers across the nation who are now covered by a pay transparency law to more than one in four workers because other states are following Colorado's example. And now we're really putting teeth into the enforcement and the expectation that employers will pay equally. So we're accelerating the pace of change. Are you finding these, these, these companies saying, yeah, we, we know we need to do this. Can you help us? We are so excited when employers are interested in learning more. And yes, there are absolutely tools available for employers who want to understand their responsibilities and who really see the opportunity to reap the benefits of having more fair and transparent workplaces. When employers are paying equally and are being more transparent, they can enjoy teams with lower rates of turnover, higher rates of productivity, and ultimately a boost to their own bottom line. Louise, would you mind telling us more about what the Women's Foundation of Colorado is doing to try to combat pay inequity? Absolutely. So the Women's Foundation of Colorado is the only statewide community foundation focused on advancing gender, racial, and economic equity. And we are one of the leading organizations organizing coalition of advocates across the state to ensure that workers, employers, mm -hmm. community members are really shaping the way our policies are written and the way they're going to take effect. So we are keeping that coalition engaged in the rulemaking process and in efforts to educate workers about their expanded pay equity rights in the workplace and to make sure that employers know their responsibilities, have access to resources for compliance, and that everyone will enjoy the boosts that come along with more fair and inclusive workplaces across Colorado huge resources. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much, Luis, for joining us for this Real Talk about pay inequity. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Louise Meyerland is with the Women's Foundation of Colorado.
The group fights to erase the pay gap in the state's workforce. Our real talk about pay inequity continues, coming up the impact of the global pandemic. We're breaking down how COVID-19 hurt pay for underrepresented groups, plus the impact remote work has had on wage disparities. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Today we're having a Real Talk on pay inequity and how it's affecting underrepresented groups in Colorado. In 2020, the start of the global COVID-19 pandemic widened already stark pay gap in how much people were actually paid. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, lower-paid employees were affected most, with many part-time jobs just disappearing, putting women and lower-income families at a disadvantage. Higher-paid workers, however, benefited from the changes COVID brought, making the same amount of money and benefiting from remote work opportunities. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says these numbers show the pandemic has likely widened income inequality, and it could take a while for the widening gap to decrease. Joining us now to explain the pandemic's influence on pay inequity is Professor Paula Cole with the University of Denver. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, Let's talk about that remote, hybrid, in-person job options. That completely changed everything during the pandemic. What were some of the benefits there in terms of uh, impacting the pay gap? Yeah, so I think um, in many ways it made it wider, particularly across race for women. So white women were more likely to be able to work from home because they have are more likely to have the higher skill jobs. Um, that doesn't mean working from home during the pandemic was easy because they had additional care responsibilities with children in the home and navigating Zoom and children and all of those things. Uh, but they did benefit from the safety of being in the home uh, and wages that were paying better a lot of those stay-at-home jobs are higher skilled kind of jobs that just pay better. And then uh, when we look at the work um, that those who are in lower income jobs, which are more likely to be black and Latina women, um, they're more likely to have continued to work in jobs that put them at risk because they weren't in the home. And so thinking about how their challenges were different in terms of what did childcare look like if they were still out in their job uh, as a nurse or uh, if they were still out, you know, delivering food and what that might be. Uh, and it's reinforced by knowing that um, the healthcare outcomes related to COVID-19 were more severe uh, for black women in particular and really kind of reflecting that gender a pay gap on racial wage gap and that it's not just the wages, it's also the benefits uh, tied to those wages. Stacking up and stacking up and stacking up on everything else that was going on with the pandemic. Absolutely, when we talk about remote work, hybrid work opportunities, those opportunities didn't necessarily exist in care jobs per se. Can you talk to us a little bit about the impact on care jobs? You mentioned it, I think we can go deeper (laughs) though. Yeah, so when we think about care work in particular, some of those jobs were essential jobs, right? Um, Thinking about maybe uh, those in-home care workers who are going to people's homes to continue to care for them, those working in nursing homes, those working in hospital, all essential workers. Uh, Some of those jobs, really low paying job, more likely to be held by women of color uh, doing that care work. And so again, uh, we really needed those care workers. In fact, we needed more care workers during the pandemic, Um, but those jobs don't always pay well unless they're more highly skilled. 
And so did those workers then leave during the pandemic to find, let's say, better playing work or maybe safer work, quote unquote? Yeah, I, I think it depends a little bit on the job, you know. So if we think about teachers and their experiences, uh, I would say that their care work actually increased during the pandemic. So they're still doing a lot of that work, but now it's even harder to teach and care for the kids via Zoom or back in the classroom and masking and all those different right. things. Whereas if we think of like childcare workers who some of those centers actually closed down, closed down and those workers are now who already were receiving low pay and few benefits are looking for other work and likely found better paying jobs. And so those centers, maybe not opening back up as quickly, uh, having a harder time filling those positions again now that we're closer to more normal yeah. times. Yeah. And what do you think businesses, companies can do immediately to start closing this pay gap? Well, I think looking at some of the explanations for why the pay gap exists, I think uh, childcare is a great place to start. So thinking about, you know, if we wanna have more women in the workplace, we need to support the care work that they're doing. And so thinking about how we're making sure they have access to childcare, whether it's supporting legislation uh, that expands childcare access or actually having childcare centers on site, but actually making sure you have enough space for the employees. A lot of uh, firms that offer on-site childcare often don't have enough spaces for the folks who actually would like to use it. Right. So it's a competitive process. Uh, and again, thinking about uh, how that changes those realities if you're not able to get into those centers. It, it seems like a system-wide thing, a system-wide approach that's much more than just me and my colleague in an office space. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, you know it's really tied to larger structural things such as how we assign care to men and women, how we think historically about the role of men and women uh, in the workplace or in the home and the caregiving that we're doing and that they're still doing. And so thinking about how the solutions to the pay gap really have to happen at all those levels. So thinking about as individuals how we might talk about our salaries um, or thinking about how in the home we might share care responsibilities, how workplaces might intentionally think about uh, hours and childcare and support systems that allow moms and dads to be in the workplace and to engage in care in the home. And then thinking about policy level, you know, we're really fortunate here in Colorado. Uh, we're one of the few states that has paid family leave. Uh, we now have um, improved pay equity laws. We're really leading the nation on efforts to address the pay gap. And it'll be interesting to see how, how the pay gap changes in Colorado, but we know it hasn't moved nationally much, um, partly because we haven't addressed some of those things that are explaining why the gap right. exists to begin with. Right. Paula, those are great suggestions and I appreciate a lot of your input. Interesting stuff. If policymakers are watching, they need to pay attention. Right. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. You. Thank you. It's great to be here. That was Professor Paula Cole with the University of Denver speaking about the pandemic's role in widening the pay gap. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week, we'll be having a Real Talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.